Yes, sir. And welcome to the road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus. I'm your host, Brock Hendricks. And before I introduce the people that helped me navigate this ship, let me just tell you how you could participate with the show. You could participate by reaching out to us via email. That's Road to Damascus. That's Road to Number Two Damascus at iCloud.com. Send us an email. Tell us uh, any show topics you'd like to hear, how much you love the show, how much you don't like the show, or just any banter you'd like to have. You can also reach us on our socials. We are on uh, Instagram as well as Twitter. That's Road to Damascus. Road the number two Damascus on Instagram as well as Twitter. Give us a follow. Shout us out. Show love. And let's start the show. Coming back to us today, the returning champion, Big Wait, hold on. Let me get this right. The returning champion, the great and powerful Oz, the great and powerful running the empire Jedi warrior, a ninja warrior, and taking care of business and dropping gems and what other soliloquies can I do to describe you? The one and only Rabbi Shonda. Say hello to the crowd, Rabbi. And I was wondering who you were talking about. Come on now, you know, you know. They come to hear me ask questions, but they they come to listen to you drop drop them them dimes. That's why they come on the show. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Always good to be in the studio with you. Yep, yep, yep. So we're recording this. Uh, normally we record our shows, what, every Saturday morning? And this is a Sunday afternoon. Um, I had a funeral I had to go to yesterday, so we weren't able to record. We were having a conversation. I, we didn't even know what the show topic was going to be <laughs> today because it's been a rough week for both of us. Would you say that, Absolutely. Rabbi? It's been a rough week. It was a week of Mondays. A week of Monday. App. Look, see, <laughs> she. I, I don't even know where that came from, but uh, look at her. She already starting off. Um, but I think I know where we're going to take this show. And we probably talked something about this before, but we're going to talk about love. Just love. Love. Um, we were having a conversation before um, the podcast, like we always do. Shout out to Stefan and Lauren. Uh, Stefan was supposed to be here today. He didn't answer his phone, so I'm going to make sure I'm going to post this part of the clip online so he can hear me talking bad about him. Um, but we were talking beforehand um, just about the foundation of Christ. And some of the things I probably say I know people won't agree with, and, and that's fine. But I've often, and I've said this on the podcast before, call myself a red letter Christian. Yeah. And the reason I use red letter Christian is because I put more weight into the things that Christ says than anybody else in the book. Anybody else in the book, I weigh it against what Christ says, what he did. Now he didn't address every single thing. And there are other things that are addressed by the apostles and the prophets and the Kings and the judges and, Things like that. But I always start off with my base foundation being Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and the things that Christ said. And we know that more than anything else, that Christ's ministry was about love. Right. Now, I'm going to say some things about the epistles that people might not <laughs> agree with, but we'll get into that part um, <laughs> as we uh, drive down this road. But why is it, Rabbi, that you think that? Or let me ask you this way. We've made this thing way more difficult. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I don't think that God would have given us this wonderful, wonderful word and these works and these abilities and these gifts to have to get a college degree. Right. To be able to use them. I believe that if you educate yourself, what you should, in some sense, doesn't have to be at a university, if you pray, study, fast, that you'll get the fullness and the understanding of his word. So why don't we start every ministry with the foundation of what we're called Christians, right? 
That's that's what it should be. And Christ's ministry was about love. So why isn't every church's foundation love? Because most of them have no idea what real love is. They have attached it to things that you can see and feel or things that are sensual. They've attached it to that. They've attached love to um, the warm and fuzzy. And that is not the case. It is one of the most um, powerful but misunderstood things on the earth, above the earth, or beneath it. Um, love is the ethos of everything God. It is the fuel for all the gifts of the Spirit. It is the fuel for relationships. It is the fuel for everything that God does for us. It is, it is what fuels everything, love. And we have made it into things that, we, that, that are tangible. We've made love about the things that people do. And when they no longer do those things, we feel like they don't love us. When, when it's no longer going the way we want it, we attribute it to love. When things happen to us that we think shouldn't happen, when bad things happen to good people or when good things happen to bad people, we make that about love. And it's not. She, she ready, folks. She had a healing service today. She ready to go. Oh, yeah. Communion. Oh, it was fire in there. Com yeah. See? Yeah, it was fire in yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. So you you good and ready. We going to see what happens. We going to see you what happens. So, so you said that we don't know what love is. No. We, we don't, don't understand love. No. We don't <laughs> understand that there's a polarity that exists in love. We don't understand that. Like, within love, there are things that we see as good. There are things that we see um, that, that's not so good. It's the reason why we tell someone a painful truth, because we love them. It's the reason why we stay. It's the reason why we go. It's the reason why we prefer someone over ourselves. Um, it's the reason why we choose ourselves. It's the reason why a mother would turn her son in for committing a crime, and the reason why that same mother would commit to visiting her son in prison. There's a polarity that exists in love that we often overlook. It encompasses everything. And it's not about behavior. There are no strings that should be attached to it. You know, it, there's, there's a, drop, a trap door in love called mercy. And when you realize that you're holding things against somebody, uh, you're, you're not loving them. You know, there are so many things that we do that we think are love and it's not. And there are things that we don't do in the name of love that we should be doing. It's really simple. We make it complicated. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm a I'm a make it just a tad bit complicated. Of course. Um, there are four types of love in the Bible. There is eros, which is like a romantic love. Right. Erotic love. Where erotic. The word erotic. Yes, from eros. Mm -hmm. There is a storge or storg. I'm no, I'm mispronouncing that. But that is a family love. Mm -hmm. There is philia, which is brotherly love. Right. And then there is agape, which is God's divine love. Right. So those are the four types of love. And why do you think that we even have problems associating those types of love? Because I love you. Right. It's not an eros love. It, I would consider our love more of a a storg or a philia because mm -hmm. we not blood, but I consider you family. Right. And it's a brotherly love, brotherly, right. sisterly, you know, we, we not trying to hold the sisters out. I don't right. want people to think, <laughs> think oh, I say brotherly love is no sister, but right. you get what I'm saying. Right. So it's like when me and you talk on the phone or when we leave from doing our podcast, I say, all right, Shonda, I love you. I talk to you. Mm -hmm. And but, I say, I love you back. And you say you love me. So why do people even have, issues distinguishing that type of love from like just automatic. Oh, you love them. You know, it's like it automatically goes to um, Eros or agape, which agape is actually how husbands are supposed to love their wives. But, but we, that's, a, that's a whole nother, <laughs> that's a whole, a whole nother seven shows. Um, I think, Sometimes it's because when our, our first introduction to love is jacked up. Okay. And so we equate um, sex with love or we, we equate 
doing what, what I want you to do with love because our first introduction to it was messed up. It's never been corrected. So we have things um, attached to love that shouldn't be because you're my brother. I will always love you more than I hate what you do. So if you make a mistake or if you willingly do something, that, that doesn't stop me from loving you. doesn't stop me from saying, oh, he's no longer my brother because of what he did. No, I love you more than I hate what you do. Right. And I love you enough to tell you the truth about it. Right. Because my, my vantage point or my frame of reference for love comes from God. And I know that God's love for me has no strings attached to it. What can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. They gave a list of things and all these things. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. So nothing's going to separate you from my love. That's the kind of love we have to have for each other. But we're not taught that. We're taught if you don't like it, if you don't like them, you don't have to love them. If you don't like what they do, you don't have to love them. If you have to limit someone's access to you, you don't have to love them anymore. That's not, there's never a reason why love should go away. Even if someone commits a crime and there's judgment that has to be set against them, that should also be given in love. Remembering that you're one bad decision away from the same consequence. So if it were you, what would you want that judgment to look like? Would you want it to come from a place of love or from a place of, of fear and, and anger and hatred? And misunderstanding. We really, we don't have any love for ourselves. So we can't love our neighbor as ourselves. So we talked about Jonah. Yes. And I want to shout out my Uncle Sandy because I got this from him. I told him I was going to steal it. Um, I still got some stuff written down, probably preach it one day. But um, when Jonah first got swallowed up by the fish, he begged and he begged and he begged for God to set him free. And he, he told God what he would do if he set him free. I'll do this. I'll do that. And he was eventually let free. Mm -hmm. And what is the first thing God asked him to go to do? Go talk to the people of Nivea. And he'd start flipping. I don't want to. Why are you sending me that? You're going to forgive him anyway. Them people don't deserve to be forgiven. Blase, blase. And then you spoke of. And we couldn't think of where it was from and we didn't have time to look it up. But the story in the Bible where the man had a great debt forgiven, mm -hmm. then he turned around and wanted somebody locked up for a small debt. For a small debt. Yep. So even with that, why don't why do we always look for love from God, but never want to extend that love to our brothers and sisters? Because there's no failure in God. He's never ceased to love us. So we understand, hey, whenever I go, God is love. That's who he is. So most people expect God to love them, but they don't have that expectation from the person that they can see. But God is so strategic, and he says, your love, people are not going to know that you love me by how much you say you love me. They're going to know how much you love me by how much you love the person you see every day. They're going to know how much you love me by how much you love the person who can do nothing for you in return. How much do you love that person who is asking for love in the most unloving kind of way? This is how the world would know that you belong to me. We are selfish and self-centered. So it's difficult for us to extend mercy. For some reason, we feel like it costs us something to be merciful to somebody else. It makes us look weak to be merciful. It doesn't. Because you're going to need the mercy that you give out. Mercy is a seed. And if you want to ever be able to reap mercy, you have to sow mercy. Because we all need it. Amen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something to you. And just tell me what you hear when I say it. So I'm going to say it slow. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. I hear the, an outline for how prayer should be. On earth as it is in heaven. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, mm -hmm. the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I think that we've gotten so 
sophisticated in our prayers that we don't even understand that template of prayer. Right. Where when they asked Jesus, how shall we pray? Jesus didn't go into a half an hour sermon. He didn't go into a 20 minute prayer. He didn't say, well, we're going to need to do all night prayer. Right. He said, this is how you pray. But one part that he made sure was in that was forgive your debt, forgive your trespassers as you forgive those Mm -hmm. who trespass against you. So the same measure that you ask God for forgiveness is the same measure that you should put out. And that's how they'll know that you're mine. So why is, why, why are we failing? I mean, that's a, that's a whole template Shonda. Yeah. But because we've made, we've turned the template into the prayer. It's an outline. We just repeat it. But not listening to the words. Right. It's like knowing a rap song. Oh, no, no. You know what it's like? I'll give you an example. Uh, Whitney Houston had a song called I'm Saving My Love For You. Mm-hmm. And I used to hear that song, like the song. And I think within the last, I think, three years, I really started to pay attention to the lyrics of that song. Whitney Houston was talking about somebody else's man. I'm saving or um, is saving my love for you. Is that the song? She did have a song. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? She had a song where you she would. used to tell me we run away together. Yeah, you used yeah. to tell me we run away together. And my friends tell me to give it up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. This song is a whole mistress anthem. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you start to really, like, understand what they saying. And I never used to pay attention to that song. You know, because even, like, now, when you listen to rap, the rap we grew up on. The Rock Kim, the KRS One, the Tupac, the Biggie, Run DMC. They have messages in their song. Yeah. Even the, the one of the most well known raps is the message, and they were talking about their lives in the ghetto. Mm-hmm. So it was like, man, them lyrics got to be tight, or we won't listen to you. Now these guys just talk about popping pills and roofies and things like that. So it's like we repeat things so much that it doesn't even have the meaning. Like saying, "I love you." All right, I love you. And we have watered it down so much that it has lost its effect. Like we we love pizza. You know, we we love chocolate. Or, you know, I, I love those shoes. I love Gucci. I love we have watered it down to things and stuff. It was be, love has become a commodity. Right. And we treat people like things and stuff. Because our frame of reference for love is is relegated to how we feel about the shoes, how we feel about our favorite food. Ain't nothing awesome about spaghetti. There's nothing awesome about pizza. Nothing that should make you love it. We have trivialized love, and we've made it superficial. You can see that in how we relate to each other. It's trivial. It's superficial. I don't like what you said. So it doesn't matter how long we've been friends. I don't like what you said. So I'm no longer going to ever talk to you again. And I'm never going to tell you the truth about why. Where's the love in that? I'm not saying to anyone that you can't set boundaries. What I'm saying is the highest form of love is honesty. So when you lie, you don't love. So to that point, honesty, if we knowingly hear people spew hate from the pulpit, spew lies from the pulpit and try not to correct it, try not to call it out. Doesn't the Bible say those who I love are chasing? Oh, yeah. So why do we refuse to show if, if we let somebody get away with lying on the pulpit or flat out? preaching hate from the pulpit. We don't love them. So why is there no correction? There should be, there should be correction because he chastens those he loves. The highest um, test of sonship is chastisement. Like, can you accept chastisement and still honor God? Um, I do think we have to be careful how we give out, how we give out chastisement. Um, most of the time, you don't chastise upward. It comes downward. 
So every leader has a leader who should be who they should be in communication with, who should be watching the things that they do, who should be correcting them when they're wrong. If I'm sitting under someone and they are wrong, I can't chastise my pastor. Can't do it. Now, say this, I have an an honorable pastor who can sit and have a conversation with you and you can say that you can disagree with him respectfully and he'll hear you and he'll have some exchange with you about it. And he may even say, this is why I did it. Or, and he'll say to you, I'm not perfect or what have you. But, um, you know, I believe in him. I support him. And he's, he's a man of character. But when it comes to chastisement, we as the sheep have to be careful trying to chastise the shepherd. We really have to pray about it and hope that God opens a door where it can be seen so that we uh, don't become castaways, so that we don't get puffed up and proud and and out of line. Because we may be right about this one thing, but then you know how some people be right about one thing, and then all of a sudden they write about everything. They ride that one thing. You know it's a one-hit wonder. All right, look, bro. They don't ride it off. You had that one LP, that one EP. Right. And, uh... You ain't dropped nothing since. Yeah. You ain't like Frankie Beverly. He don't have to keep making albums. <laughs> right. He just keep touring the country. That's, and, not, and that's not you. That's not you. No. no. But I'm saying we got we got our uh, we got our one hit wonders that just they come and they go. Yeah. And they still sometimes try to ride that one hit. Mm-hmm. You know, Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. Everybody know Ice Ice Baby. Everybody. Everybody. Millennials, Gen Z, Gen X. Baby boomers. Now, I <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows um Ice Ice Baby. So um so you said you don't believe that you can chastise up or disagree up. You can right. disagree. Okay, well let me ask you this. But what if the person like and let's just talk the last the the, the things we've heard from ministers, pastors, and preachers mm-hmm. in the Trump era. And the things they were saying from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And you would disagree. I would disagree. But the people who they were under believe the same thing that they believe. So it becomes, what if the person is in an echo chamber and everybody around them is saying the same thing? Everything they're reading and looking up is just to validate how they already feel. So at that point, how do I show the love to let them know, like, here, just just read this. It's, it's not normally your source material, but just, just read through that and let me know what you come up with. I think all, all effective leaders have a team of people around them who are better than them. If you are not the weakest link in your chain, something is wrong. So if I'm around, if, if my leader has a team of yes men around them and there's no correction and nothing is changing and um, it's, it's a bad situation. Sometimes my most effective show of love would be to remove myself from the situation because what I don't want my love to do is, is, is so discord. What I don't want my love to do is to destroy a person who has um, an issue in this one area, although it looks really bad and really big, this is where it's really bad and big. Everything else is okay. I don't want to be the one to do it in the name of love because love is patient, love is kind, uh, love is long suffering, it doesn't envy, it doesn't parade itself, it doesn't seek its own, it's not provoked, it thinks no evil, it doesn't rejoice in iniquity, it, it hopes all things, bears all things, believes all things. And if at one if whatever point your Wait, love is I not hear that at that, weddings all the time. Yeah, you hear it at weddings. You don't necessarily hear it throughout the marriage. <laughs> <laughs> you just rattle some cages just, with that with that line right there. Just, That's a bar. That's a bar. If any one of those things is missing, it's <clears throat> not love. And I think people should ask themselves the question, do I really understand what love is? Have I ever been loved? 
am I really attached to the source of love? Because all we are are resources. So am I attached to the source of love? And if you're not, if the only love you know is that from a parent who wasn't there, what you're, the place you're giving out of and reasoning out of, it's not the place of love. You have to be introduced to love. And it will change your life. It will convert you. If you are the same, if you have fallen in love with anybody, man, woman, let's start with Jesus. If you have fallen in love with Jesus, man or woman, and it hasn't changed or converted you in any way in the last two or three years, it ain't love. I said it. It ain't love? It ain't. What is it? It's probably, it's control, it's manip- manipulation, it may be some trauma bonding where you feel like uh, you're in love and all you have are these feelings. It's not. If it doesn't convert, the Bible says, through love and kindness have I drawn them. If it's not drawing you in to change your life, love will change you. If your life is ever hit with the love of God, you are never the same. You will never be the same. And I'm not saying immediately you will walk away from the things that you loved and did wrong. What what I'm saying is you will now have a conviction attached to those things because now you have been introduced to something that you have never felt before. And you'll feel bad when you begin to do things that you were doing before. We, We see videos. You're a dog owner. Yes. We see videos of dogs that were abused, dogs that were neglected, Mm -hmm. and how long it takes for those dogs to regain trust and build relationships. Yes. And I'm not calling humans dogs or dogs humans. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But just in that sense, we see once that dog is reintroduced to a loving environment, once that dog is shown love patiently, when that dog is allowed to work out its emotions, Mm -hmm. because it's like, is this real? then you begin to see the change and the trust right. come back. So Peter said, how can you love a God whom you've never seen and hate your brother who you see every day? We've had organizations that have called themselves Christian, the Ku Klux Klan, um, several other organizations who were organizations of hate, organizations of misinformation, would I be in the wrong, Shonda, if I flat out just went out and said, if you are a racist who hates people because of the color of their skin, hate people because of their nationality, where they were born, if you do not like, nah, hate, do not like whatever, then you shouldn't call yourself a Christian. Would I be well within my right to say that? Christians don't hate. The only thing a Christian is allowed to hate is sin. You hate what God hates. You love what God loves. And God so loved the world. Loved the world. Not, it didn't say he so loved Jews. It didn't so say he so loved whites or blacks or Africans or Europeans. It said he loved the world. So that means everybody and in the world. gave himself for it. His only begotten. Yeah. The world and they that dwell therein. It doesn't matter what they like and don't like. It doesn't matter what they hate and don't hate. You can't look at the actions of an individual and say, this person doesn't deserve to be loved. Whether it's the harshest criminal, you can't say they don't deserve to be loved. Because he gave his life for the murderer, for the rapist, for the pedophile. He gave his life for every sinner. He became sin, all sin for every person. Love made him do it. So you can't pick out a person and say they are unworthy of love because they committed the sin that you hate. What about the sins you're committing that you love? You don't have a problem hating those people who are committing the sins that are okay with you. Only those who are doing things that you don't like. She's starting to heat up, folks. She done hit three threes in a row. This this that Golden State third quarter. She on fire. Gotta love everybody. <laughs> so Jesus said, they will know your minds by the way that you love. 
So is that why we don't know a lot of Christians? <laughs> That's is that why we couldn't pick them out out of a lineup? Right, because there are so many <clears throat> who attend churches every day, but they don't love the people who come in. You don't love you don't love them when they come in. They don't feel the the love of God from us. They don't. Your identifying mark, your birthmark of being born again, your birthmark is love. So whatever comes from you should come from love. Even if it's correction, it should come from a place of love. I shouldn't feel like you hate me simply because you're correcting me. Where is it coming from? How do we approach people? How do we win people? How do we disciple people? How do we restore people without love? The Bible says love covers a multitude of the sins. What do you think that means? It means just what, what, what Jesus did for us. His love covered everything that we would do wrong. There's no more sin problem. There's a sinner problem. He's already covered the sins because he loved us. He took that on. And because I love you, if I see that you're in sin, my job is to love you back into restoration, to love you through it to help you as much as I can. And if you just refuse that, that's between you and God. It's not my job to cast you into outer darkness because you've decided that's not what I want. That's between you and God. And the problem with most Christians is we take on God's job of judging people. Even though the Bible says... Don't judge. If you're going to judge somebody, judge yourself. But no, we've taken on the job of judging people and deciding where they're going to go based on what they've done. But we don't do ourselves like that. We give ourselves all the forgiveness and the grace, grace necessary. So love the next person the way you love yourself. God knows my heart. And so do we. <clears throat> but <I'm laughs> So do we. What does it say? It's not what goes into a man that defiles him because what goes in the mouth comes out the drought. It goes in, it comes out. It's what comes out of a man that defiles him because it's coming from your heart. What comes from your mouth is what's coming out from of the your abundance heart. of the heart. The, the mouth, mouth speaks. So we all know your heart. It's not just God who knows it. We all know it. We it's visible. We can see it. So do you think that people? <laughs> you ever see those little skits where people are like, do they know we can see them? We they know we can see them, right? right? Do they not, do they not know we can see them? Like, why is it that sometimes people think like? We can see you. You're not showing love. You're not living. Like, at the end of the day, I don't have to question if you live in a Christ-centered life. The way you love is going to tell me if you live in a Christ-centered. And why is it that people act like we can't see them? Because we don't love. We don't love people the way they are. We love people the way we <sighs> Say that again. Hit the wrong button. See, you done got me discombobulated over here. Yeah, we, we don't love as they are. We love as we are. And so many of us have lied to ourselves for so long about our own state that we believe that lie. So we believe you have told yourself so long that you're good. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. Nothing wrong with that. You believe that lie. So you can look at someone else and see the tiny little beam in their eye, but you've got this giant moat in your own. That's why like, don't worry about that, about that little, little thing in their eye. Get the beam out of your own eye. We are not checking ourselves. It's much easier to say you're wrong than to say I need to change. And that's the thing. When you really, really are just cloaked or engulfed in the love of God, you walk into a situation understanding that that person may never change. You may have to. Amen. 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 That was heavy. Sometimes God's putting you in that situation so that you can see you, so that your view of love can be corrected. Not for you to go in and change them. Go in knowing they may never change. You have to adjust. Absolutely. And it, it's funny to me because, um, and this is going to kind of piggyback what I had brought up at the beginning of the show, but it's funny to me because Christ did things that 
would be kind of unheard of of someone of his status. Like when he said, I need to wash your feet. And he said, and they said, no, we should be washing your feet. He said, no, I need to do this. He was humbling himself to them. But then even in his correction, remember when he took, was stood before the apostles and he said, I'm going to be leaving you soon. I'm going to die. And Peter said, no, you're not. He said, what? Get behind me, Satan. So mm-hmm. you speak now. We'll go. He was letting Peter know, you're not speaking God's word right now. I am. And he corrected him in a way to say, no, don't say that. Right. Because now you're speaking against God's word as I'm speaking God's word. But he still told Peter he loved him. Matter of fact, when Peter, <laughs> when Peter said, I love you, and God said, you'll deny my name three times, Jesus knew. That Peter loved him. But Peter didn't know and understand love until he really denied his name three times. Then he, what did he do? He went, ran, cried, Mm -hmm. got in his feelings. And the first thing that Jesus said when he came back was tell Peter that you've seen me. Let him know. Because Peter thought he lost that moment. Mm -hmm. In my own life, my brother who got killed, the last conversation we had, I didn't get to tell him I loved him because I was mad at him about something insignificant. Right. And that's when I really truly learned what love is. That even though he owed me what he owed me, I would give that away a million times just to have had 10 more minutes with my brother. Just 10 minutes. Absolutely. So what, so I'm, what I'm asking you is... Do I have to like somebody to love them? No. And why do we think that you have to like somebody to love them? Because then I don't have to be accountable to love. I don't have to be accountable. In order for me to love you and not like you, I've got to look at me. And most people don't want to look at them because we would just prefer that the other person be different. We would just prefer that they change. But that's not what the Bible says about love. That just proves that we're more concerned about our own happiness and comfort than with loving others. And we're supposed to be loving other people. There are no exceptions. You know how I know it's no exceptions? How's that? Luke 27, 6 and 27 says what? But to you who are listening, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, right there, that was a red letter. (laughs) He said, I say, love your enemies. There is even a, a saying we have that says what? Keep your friends close. Your enemies close. And your enemies closer. Why? And it's like Shonda, it's, I'm, it's, be, it's in black and white. It's in black and white. Yeah. And yet we make this thing so much more complicated. Because I was saying to you before, and I know this is the part where people might have a little <laughs> disagreement with me. I respect the epistles. I love the epistles. But I think that sometimes we run into an issue with the epistles where Paul was writing specific letters for specific groups of people who had specific strongholds. But we use those same epistles as a one size fits all. Right. And they aren't a one size fits all. They weren't written as a one size fits all. Now, we can take and glean different things that may be strongholds for us. But if you are an Ephesian or from Ephesus and I'm from Corinth, you don't grow up with the same strongholds and afflictions that I grow up with. Right. You're from the South. You were born and raised down South. Yes. Your frame of reference for the way you conduct yourself is based on Southern hospitality, the term we use. Correct. I was born in on the East Coast, but I've lived in Michigan my whole life. My values come from Midwestern values. So if I was to be talking to somebody from the Midwest, 
they don't deal with the same things that right. people in the South deal with. Right. So we shouldn't use a one size fits all. Right. Because the strongholds for people in the South are different than the people in the Midwest. Absolutely. The West Coast doesn't deal with the things that the East Coast deals with. Absolutely. So why do we try to one size fits all this when the one size that does fit all is the red letters? Because we want people to change. We want people to be different. We, but, if, but if we want them to change, mm -hmm. the change starts in Christ. Yeah, it starts with love. It's, that's the foundation. I told you beforehand, I said, if the foundation is not love, mm -hmm. then you like the two pigs. The one pig built his house with straw. Yep. The other with sticks. Mm -hmm. And the big bad wolf. Blew it down. Blew it down. Now, who is the big bad wolf in this scenario? He who comes to seek, to steal, kill, kill and, and destroy. destroy. If your house isn't built on the foundation of love, then you don't have, see, love foundation is the house made of brick. Yes. That he huffed. And, and puffed. Puffed. And nothing happened. Nothing. And them two little pigs, guess where they were at? In his house. In his house. The brick house. The brick house. Made of love. Made of love. So people need to get out of that creaky straw house and get out of that creaky stick house. And come on over to the house of brick. Yes. And he who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, you 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 saving yourself. I'm not saying you won't have issues or problems, right. but you saving yourself so much more time where you ain't got to run from your house of straw to my house of brick. You ain't got to run from your house of sticks to my house of bricks. Right. Because the house of bricks is love. And that gives you the support that you need to be able to feel comfortable to do the other things. And guess what? The pig who had his house of brick didn't reject the pigs. Right. Who, <laughs> can I right. say that again, Shonda? Oh, he didn't. The pig who built his house of brick mm -hmm. did not turn away or reject the pig who pigs who built their house on straw and, stick. and sticks. You, you took the words right <laughs> out of my throat. Cause I was just about to say, if you are in a brick house and you reject those whose house was made of straw and stick, your brick is wallpaper. So it just look like it brick. It looks like brick. It's that faux brick. Oh, yeah. It's coming down. It's coming down, it's too. It's coming down. Absolutely. We don't have to agree with somebody's sins, actions, words, their opinions. You know, we don't have to say that everything they do is okay, but we do need to pray for them. We need to have faith for them. We should want the very best for them. And despite how we feel, it doesn't matter how you feel about love. It matters that you love. That's it. That's it. That's it. And if you only love those who love you, if you only love those who can do something for you, that's not love at all. You really don't get a full view of what love is until you give it to someone you deem unlovable. I I can keep going. I'm t I mean, it's just so much stuff is coming to my mind. So what did you think about my little soliloquy about the epistles? Do you think I'm a little off or No, I I agree. If it was a one-size-fit-all, he could have written one letter and sent it to all the churches. But each church had a specific thing. Even in, in Revelations, the seven churches, the church at Smyrna and the church at Thyatira didn't have the same issues. You know, everybody's not going to have the same issues. So you can't, you can't even do that in counseling. You can't have one way that you're going to talk to everybody because you don't know what they're going to say. You don't know what's happening. You cannot have a one-size-fit-all. The only time you can just have one message is when it comes to the gospel because the gospel doesn't change. But when these letters were for the, um, the perfecting of the saints, for the strengthening of the body, for correction, reproval, those different people have different issues. 
And to me, I look at that just like a template, like the Lord's Prayer. Right. Paul had the revelation from God. Yes, he did. And through his teachings with Christ, that he was able to go to these cities, set up new churches, Mm -hmm. and see the things that were preventing them from elevating. Mm -hmm. And he sent them letters through his prayer and supplication to say, this was stopping you from doing that. So when he told one particular church that the women need to sit down and be quiet, he wasn't talking to every church. No. But we have used these scriptures to put people into bondage saying, well, this is what Paul, Paul wasn't talking to everybody when he gave that letter. Right. Cause everybody didn't have that problem. Everybody didn't have the problem. You have <laughs> silenced women in the church for decades, centuries, <laughs> for that one church that was having a problem with unruly women. You've silenced women who weren't unruly, had never done anything, had never tried to usurp authority over the men, but who knew they had a call on their lives and could never step into it because you've taken this one scripture out of context and threw it out as a blanket across the body of Christ. That's one size fits all mistake right there. One size fits. And the one size mistake that we are are making is not teaching the foundation of love. Absolutely. We're scared to tell somebody, hey, that's not love. I, I know you, you think it's love, and maybe in your neighborhood this, this is what love looks and feels like. Let me introduce you to what love really is. Love isn't the diamond ring that your fiancé gets you. No. Because if he couldn't afford a diamond ring, it doesn't mean he loves you any less. Absolutely. But when you won't accept it because you don't, you feel like the ring is so small, then you don't love me. Something's wrong with you and not him. Period. Period. Love is not telling your kids no because they want to go somewhere that you don't think that they should go right. because of the issues. Love is telling somebody no because there's danger going down that road. Is You know, when I'm speeding and I'm going down one street and the car coming towards me, kind of hit my light, hit they lights mm-hmm. to let you know it's yeah. a speed trap down there. Right. That's love. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's love. Appreciate, Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just letting you know, brother, going kind of fast. Right. And it's a boy sitting right there off to the side. Might want to break that down. Might want to slow that down a little bit. And they don't even know you. And they don't even know you. Don't want you to get caught in the trap. Speed trap. we can see somebody heading for a trap, don't say anything. Let them get it out the mud like I did. Let them learn like I did. That's not love. You being successful in life and not letting it, Go from generation to generation, but saying, I obtained this. Mm-hmm. Y'all got to obtain this the way that I did. Yeah. Not sharing your game, mm-hmm. not sharing your knowledge or your wealth w- with even your family, right. with even your offspring mm-hmm. is not love. It's not. I got a word from the Lord for you. And all you have to do is sow this seed of a thousand dollars. And I'll tell you, that's not love. I'm going to teach you how to pray, but all you have to do is pay $1,500 for me to teach you how to pray. That's not love. When all I say is, I'll, I'll give you this game for free. Our Father. You know what I mean? Which I, the template is already the there. The template is there. You're not, your prophecy, that comes from God. That's not yours. The word of God. This You're teaching and preaching God's word. You are like the, the, the person who asked, was it Paul? Teach me your gift of prophecy so I can make a profit off of it. Right. Like, like you just want to know how to do this thing. Right. So you can make a buck. Right. That's not love. It's not. You want to manipulate and fleece God's people so you can get rich quick. That ain't love. It's not at all. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. (laughs) Don't hurt me. No more. Man, I think we was going to. And we can still keep going. Because love never ends. This is a never-ending story. And we should want everybody to come in contact with everybody, especially the people you don't like. 
You should want them to come in contact. You may be the only source, the only resource of love they're going to come in contact with. And you won't give it to them because you don't like them. Even I'll be honest with you. How I know that you love me is you come and do this podcast with me every week. I'm not giving you a nickel. We ain't making a dime. No. But we love other people enough to get this message out to them. Absolutely. These are our love letters. And we don't do the same show every week. Right. Because it's not a one size fits all. And that's how you come full circle. (laughs) The block is hot. The block is hot. The block is hot. I know you got something for me, Rabbi. You know what I do? I know you you do. I get you mention it. I was watching, I was getting ready for work the other morning and one, I only turn on the news just to get the weather. I don't like to watch the news. But I turned it on, and I walked out of the room. I still don't know why. Because I heard um, a recap of, I believe it was a Let It Rip, where they were talking about the sex education and these books that they want to put in, in the school. And it... It, it disturbed me so much I was, I was frustrated almost all the way to work because they had these, the books, it was, you know, like heterosexual sex, girl on girl, uh, boy on boy, and it had diagrams and in, instructions and, and diagrams. I was like, this grown people that don't know what to do. But you want to put this book in the schools and teach this to the kids? Why? When these children have no idea right now what they want or desire. They it shouldn't even be introduced to them like this at that age. And hey, parents, shame on you if your child's first introduction to sexual education comes from the school. Shame on you if you let that happen. But I wish easy, e- easy killer. <laughs> <laughs> you should go into the wish creed. Listen, when it comes to my kids and other people's kids, I live in the woods. And if my kid came home with that book, I, y'all would see me on the news the next morning. How dare our government get involved at this level to want to introduce this kind of foolishness to our children at an age when they should still be talking about Jack and Jill went up the hill to get a, a pail of water, and you're teaching them how to Literally, how to have sex. Like it's like a tutorial. Way advanced tutorial. Pictures and diagrams. B, you got the bail money. <laughs> I think it's it's appalling, and to see where they're going with this and what they're trying to do um, to our kids, it 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 heat it heated my block up real good. I'm I'm still hot about it. Well, I think I think when it comes to there, I always say there's an overcorrection. There's no such thing as a course correction. Right. Because on one end, you have them trying to take books out of the school that actually educate people about the history of this country. But then you also have another group who's trying to put books in the school that don't need to be in the schools. Right. And it's like, both y'all wrong. What's just wrong with the books we didn't have? And some of the books we didn't had needed to go because the books that we didn't had that had propaganda in it. Right. So let's get rid of the propaganda and start back to the topic, telling the truth. Black people tell the truth about this country every day. Why? Because we love it. And this country is not given the best that it could give. Right. You like Dr. King said, you have not lived up to the promise that you wrote on paper. Mm. I could preach that thing. <laughs> That that'll go. That'll work. Right <laughs> that, that 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 that'll that'll sell. Yeah. Um, I got like fifty million. Block is hot. Um, so I'm trying to. I've been in my mind sitting here trying to narrow down, like, because it, I see something almost every day. Every day. That makes me just like, are are we kidding? Are you kidding me? But I'm just gonna go, and and I kind of. <sighs> kind of um went with this but so i saw a video and at the end of the day and 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 i really always talk about this kind of stuff because it's important 
for us as African Americans to or blacks. So I don't I I typically don't use the term African American because I wasn't born in Africa. I'm an American and I'm black. But the miseducation of our people. I was listening to a podcast that I frequently listen to with uh Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay is called Higher Learning. And Van had this guy on that's a friend of his. And it started off with the Kanye West t-shirt thing. And yeah. <laughs> and the guy said, so what? White lives doesn't matter. And they kind of got into it in the comments. So the guy said, I think people misinterpreted what I was saying. Can I come on the show? Okay. And talk to him. So the guy came on the show. And Shonda, when I say, for the lack of knowledge, my people shall perish. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was some of the most ignorant stuff coming out of brother's mouth. I got to the point where I literally like felt bad, like, like not bad for him because you as old as you are. But what I felt bad was is any perception that we have about black men. He was feeding into every stereotype. Mm. I mean, just the printing press is the reason we are the way we are. Once we started communicating because they used to communicate. This, I mean, the stuff that this guy was saying was embarrassing. So I've said it once. I'm going to say it again. Study to show thyself approved. A good worksman who need not be ashamed, yes. but rightly devise the word of truth. And when I say that, I mean that in the spiritual sense. And I mean that in the secular sense. Do not ask to go on a podcast and speak about stuff that you are not equipped to speak about. I'll just leave you with this, Shonda. He said that America was the only country where race was a problem. No other country had ever had a race problem. And then he asked him, well, what about apartheid? He said, what's apartheid? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so so <laughs> I'll, just, I'll, just, uh, I'll just leave you with that. So that's another edition of The Block is Hot. Didn't mean to <laughs> John about to choke like, wait a minute. He said, what? Uh, it is better to be thought of fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And that's exactly, <laughs> exactly. Wow. <laughs> so, I'm. you know what? I'm going to post that quote today on our Road to Damascus Instagram page because that that needs to be needs said. To. So, um, we're going to close this show out. Go ahead, Rabbi. Hit him with that that love letter. Um, let's see. Since since most people give God human um, characteristics, when we love them, we have to do it in a supernatural kind of way so that they see God and not us. God commended his love toward us in that when we were yet in sin, he died for us. Abraham took Isaac up into the mountain to slay him and heard a voice to say, look behind you, there's a ram. That was love. Jesus spit on the ground and made clay out of it and rubbed it on the blind man's eyes so that he could see that was love. He said to the crowd who wanted to kill that woman in adultery, whoever's without sin, throw the first stone. That was love. He has forgiven because of love. He provides, justifies, removes shame and guilt. He parts the Red Sea, makes exits on our dead-end streets, all because he loves us. Then he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you that where I am, you can come to. And if I go, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself because of love. First John says it like this, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God for God is love. So let us love one another. Amen. Amen. Dropping dimes, dropping nuggets. I'm going to keep it... uh short and sweet john three sixteen said god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and that is a powerful scripture but what really brings that scripture to life is for three years in john it said jesus if we wrote down every miracle that jesus did that the pages would cover this world and yet out of all this stuff he did when he was going, the crowd rejected him first for Barabbas. 
second as he's carrying the cross up there. They are mocking, teasing, laughing at this man who was dying for them and for their generations to come. And he looked at the crowd and he uttered these powerful words. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. We are now living in a time where ignorance will no longer be an excuse for not knowing. So if you aren't on the foundation of love, then get out of that house of strict, get out of that house of straw and sticks and come on over to this house of bricks. So thank you for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And until next time, thank you for listening. God bless and we're out.